0: Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for being here, not only for the presentation, but especially for the recitation of the chaplet. Um, That's such a a special thing, and it's so wonderful to see such a great turnout for that, as well as all of you who are in line for confession. So, what a wonderful experience we're all going to have of Divine Mercy. What I'd like to do is begin just introducing some of you that may not know uh, that much about Divine Mercy, uh, why we're here together this Sunday. But then the focus of my talk is going to be the Divine Mercy during the year of St. Joseph. So actually I've been, uh, I love the Divine Mercy and actually was blessed to give a talk last year virtually. So if you are interested in seeing that, it's on my website, theprodigalfather.org. And then the year before, a year before I even came here, I just happened to be here to give the talk two, three years ago um, on Divine Mercy and uh, knowing God the Father's love through Divine Mercy. So, I would really encourage you to to, um, check those out, to watch those, because that really um, encapsulates my kind of thesis of Divine Mercy, especially through God the Father's love. But today I'm going to focus specifically on Saint Joseph. So why are we here today on this Divine Mercy Sunday? Uh, Jesus says to Saint Faustina, the graces of my mercy are drawn by the means of one vessel only, and that vessel is trust. The more a soul trusts, the more it will receive. You have shown great trust by being here today. You're trusting in this message that Jesus has given to us through Saint Faustina. You're trusting in the priest, whom you will go to the Sacrament of Reconciliation with, and you're trusting from myself that I will be able to deliver to you this message of mercy. So I thank you, first of all, for being here. I thank you for, for trusting me during this time. And I also trust in the promises that Jesus gives to the priests, that whenever priests proclaim the message divine, of divine mercy, that the Holy Spirit will be with them and will work through them. So during this last Lent, many of you have gotten to uh, experience prayer through the program that I have of Pray 40 Days. So the, the 40 days of guided meditation and contemplation. And I'm so happy to have led you through that because it was through this prayer of meditation and contemplation, through this mental prayer, that um, Faustina came to know and to experience and to have these mystical revelations of Christ. Now, St. Faustina is an extraordinary saint. She's a wonderful saint. And the reality is, though, too, that all of us are called to be mystics. And a mystic is somebody who encounters Christ for real. So as St. Faustina encountered Christ in these ways, I want you to know that you're also called and gifted to experience Christ in the mystical life in this journey. So all of the prayer that I've been teaching to you, this mental prayer, this meditative prayer, this contemplative prayer, opens us up to this great mystical life. So St. Faustina was a mystic because she had these experiences of God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And she had it in such a way that he became so real to her that she could see him, that she could hear him. And it was during times of prayer that this would happen. It was during times of Mass that it would happen. And then it also became times of just the ordinary life, where she was experiencing ordinary life and Christ would reveal himself to you. And so as I taught many of you that, you know, the important thing of your prayer is to spend daily time in meditative and contemplative prayer, like a holy hour, and that that would be primarily a time which would be sacred, where God would speak to you. But the more we spend that time in holy hour, the more that God is going to reveal himself to us throughout the day. She would experience Jesus in different visions, locutions, apparitions, infused contemplation, and mental prayer. These are all different ways that she experienced him. And so what brings us here today is this revelation that Jesus gave to her back in the 1930s. And the Lord called her to set aside this special feast day called Divine Mercy Sunday. And it's to be the first Sunday after Easter. So that's why we're here today. This is the first Sunday after Easter. Now, for quite some time, uh, the Lord asked Faustina to declare this as Divine Mercy Sunday, and nobody was listening to her, so the Lord asked her to go to the Holy Father himself, to go to the Pope, and declare this as Divine Mercy Sunday, and the Pope said, we already have it. And so she, she went back to Jesus, and she said, the Pope said, we already have it, And Jesus said to her, well, who knows about it? Who knows what this Divine Mercy Sunday is? That was back in 1930. We're almost 100 years later. And still we can kind of say about Divine Mercy Sunday, who knows about it? Now, thankfully, all of you do. This is wonderful that you're here today, but if, if everybody truly knew the message of Divine Mercy Sunday, every church would be packed, every, every um, you know, sanctuary would be packed. And so when, when Pope John Paul II canonized her on April 30th of 2000, he declared officially that the first Sunday after Easter would from now on be known as Divine Mercy Sunday. So hopefully everybody knows this by now. So the Lord expressed his will with regard to this feast in his very first revelation to St. Faustina. The most comprehensive revelation can be found in her diary, and it's all by paragraph number, by paragraph 699. He says, My daughter, tell the whole world about my inconceivable mercy. I desire that the Feast of Mercy be a refuge for sinners and a shelter For all souls, especially for poor sinners. On that day, the very depth of my tender mercy are open. So right now, on this day, I pour out a whole ocean of graces upon those souls who approach the fount of my mercy. The soul that will go to confession and receive Holy Communion shall obtain complete forgiveness of sins and punishment. And on that day, they are open to the divine floodgates through which all of my graces flow. Let no soul fear to draw near to me. And so have no fears, especially if there's any sin in your life that you may be afraid of confessing. If there's anything that you just aren't sure if you should bring forward, if there's anything you're ashamed of or is hidden in darkness, bring that forward to the Lord. Let no soul... Let no soul fear to draw near me, even though it's sin, be scarlet. So he's saying, no matter how scarlet red your sins are, no matter how bad they are, don't fear to come near to me. My mercy is so great that no mind, be it of an angel, it will be able to fathom it through all eternity. Everything that exists has come from the very depths of my tender mercy. What God is revealing is the primary identity of God— is mercy. That is who God is. And every soul in relation to me will contemplate my love and mercy through all eternity. The feast of my mercy emerged from the very depths of my tenderness, and it is my desire that it be solemnly celebrated on the first Sunday after Easter. So here we are. The first Sunday after Easter, Divine Mercy Sunday. He ends this paragraph with, Mankind will not have peace "...until it turns to the fount of my mercy." If you you think of all the times of unrest that we've experienced, especially this last year, man will not have peace until we turn to his mercy. Now I want to uh, introduce the concept of Saint Joseph in terms of divine mercy. So many of us parishioners here are doing the consecration to St. Joseph, so we're doing a 33-day consecration to St. Joseph, and we have our statue here that we're venerating during this time. And over this 33 days, we're coming to know of these qualities of St. Joseph, who is such a a wonderful patron. He's actually the patron of the universal church. So here's the apostolic letter uh, that Pope Francis wrote called Patris Cordi, which means heart of the Father. And it's on the 150th anniversary of St. Joseph being named the Universal Patron of the Church. So we have this 150th anniversary that we're celebrating on this Divine Mercy Sunday. So he says, with the Father's heart, that is how St. Joseph loved Jesus, whom all four Gospels refer to as the Son of Joseph. So Jesus was known as the Son of Joseph in all four gospels. And so St. Joseph plays a very special role in the raising of Jesus and helping Jesus to know what the true qualities of a good and loving father are. And so throughout this, I'm going to, to weave together some of the qualities of St. Joseph with some of the qualities that Jesus reveals to us in divine mercy. So he says that each of us can discover in St. Joseph, the man who goes unnoticed, a daily discreet hidden presence, an intercessor, a support, and a guide in times of trouble. So we can turn to St. Joseph to guide us during any times of trouble in our lives. And St. Joseph reminds us that those who appear hidden or in the shadows can play an incomparable role in the history of salvation. So in Joseph, Jesus saw the tender love of God. I want you to think about that for a second. As Jesus was born and raised and held by his Father and learned to walk, he would experience the tender love of God through his Father. We hear in Psalm 103, As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear him. We hear that all too often we think that God works only through our better parts, yet most of his plans are realized despite this and in our frailty. Thus, St. Paul can say, To keep me from being too elated, a thorn was given in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that he would leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. I want you to think about your own weakness. I want you to think about that thorn that may be in your life and that desire that you have to be rid of it. We must look at even our weaknesses with tender mercy. Pope Francis says that about St. Joseph and about us. We must even look at our weaknesses with tender mercy. Saint Joseph was known as being a father in the shadows. And the Polish writer Jan Dro- Drozinski, in his book The Shadows of the Father, tells the story of Saint Joseph's life in the form of a novel. And he uses an image of a shadow to define Saint Joseph. His relationship to Jesus, Joseph was the earthly shadow of the Heavenly Father. He watched over him. He protected him. He prayed for him. He never left him going his own way, just as a shadow is always present with each and every one of us. In the wilderness, you saw how the Lord God carried you, just as one carries a child all the days of your travel. Deuteronomy 1, verses 31. The Holy Father says this then. He says, every priest or bishop should be able to add with the Apostle, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Paul likewise calls Galatians, my little children with whom I am again in travail until Christ formed me in you. So I want you to think about the father figures that you have had in your life. The ones that especially showed you tenderness. That may be your own father. That may be a grandfather maybe a father figure, maybe a priest or a confessor. Someone that has showed you unconditional love and tenderness. And then we hear Jesus say, I trust that in talking about divine mercy on this great feast, as your priest can say, I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So hopefully, right now as I talk, in some way I can be your father Revealing to you this message of divine mercy Okay, so now back to divine mercy These are some of the, the basic things So there's uh, five points that I just want to briefly go through For those of you that may not know about Divine Mercy Sunday The first is, uh, St. Faustina had to tell the priests to speak about Divine Mercy Sunday So notice Jesus reveals himself to St. Faustina And says, tell my priests about Divine Mercy Sunday Isn't that interesting? He doesn't go to the priest, he goes to St. Faustina. What's very interesting for me, too, is I didn't come to learn about divine mercy at the seminary. It was not in any of our classes, it was nothing that I ever learned about. You know how I got to learn about divine mercy? Through lay women. I have five copies of divine mercy that that women have given to me over the years and said, you must read this book, you must read this book, you must read this book, you must read this book. If any, any of you have the copy with you of Divine Mercy, can you hold that up so people can see? It's a thick book. Yeah, there's a really thick one right there. So it's not, a, it's not a little book to get through. It's like 750 pages, right? So every time I would get that and I would be at the seminary, I would think, I don't have time to read that, you know? And um, you would think that if somebody gave me five books, five different ladies gave me five books, I might read it, right? Well, we're a little bit slow sometimes. And finally, it was during the year of mercy that I read St. Faustina's work, her diary. And I absolutely fell in love with it. Um, For me, even to write these talks, I feel so blessed to write this talk every year because I get to go back into... Um, just immerse myself in her writings, and it's over and over and over again, Jesus, I trust in you. I trust in you. No matter what happens in my life, I trust in you. No matter what sin clings to me, I trust in you. It's such a beautiful message, and if you don't get it by reading the first 10 pages, you got 750 pages more of Jesus, I trust in you. We have to trust, and when we trust, we will experience His mercy. So the first is to speak to my priests about divine mercy. So you got me, okay? You got me. But you don't have every priest. A lot of priests don't know the message of divine mercy, and so I just kind of challenge you with that to take the message of divine mercy to your priests. Give them seven copies of it. Do whatever it takes till they realize they got to read it. So that's the first thing. And she said, "Tell my priests." The second thing is is Jesus declared that the Sunday after Easter is to be the feast of my mercy. And priests are to tell everyone about the great and unfathomable mercy. I am making you, me, an administrator of his mercy. Administrator of his mercy. Administrator of his mercy. Administrator of his mercy. The priests that are hearing confessions right now. What an awesome—that's what they're doing. They're showering you with God's mercy. And then he says, Tell the confessor that the image is to be on view in the church, and by means of this image, I shall be granting many graces to souls. So let every soul have access to it. So we have the divine mercy image on display as well. That's good. Number three, I desire that priests proclaim my mercy of mine, this great mercy of mine, towards souls of sinners. And he says, The distrust of a chosen soul causes me greater pain despite my inexhaustible love for them they do not trust me so that's my offering for you is can you and will you trust him again if that trust has been broken or if that trust has fallen away can you trust him once more number four She says, tell my priests that hardened sinners will repent on hearing their words and when they speak about my unfathomable mercy, about the compassion I have for them in my heart. To priests who proclaim and extol my mercy, I give wondrous power. Right here. I will anoint their words and touch the hearts of those to whom they speak. I believe this. So I believe right now that he's touching my words and he's anointing your ears to hear the words that he wants to speak to you. All of this I say because none of it's from me. All of it is from the promises that come with divine mercy. The fifth and final one, and this is happening to her. She's walking down the kitchen, by the way. And Jesus speaks to her these words in her souls, and she says, Say unceasingly the chaplet I have taught you. So the chaplet we're going to pray at 3 o'clock. He just says, say it unceasingly. But then he says, whoever will recite it will receive great mercy at the hour of death. So I'll be talking about that with St. Joseph in a few moments here, who's the patron of a happy death. He says, priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation. So when you are dying, recite this prayer. If you can't recite it, you better tell everybody that you know that when you're dying, you want them at their bedside reciting their prayer. You want them reciting this prayer for you. He says priests will recommend it to sinners as their last hope of salvation. And even if there was a sinner most hardened, if you can think of the hardest sinner there ever was, the worst person there ever was, on their deathbed, if they were to recite this chaplet only once, he would receive the grace of my infinite mercy. I want to read that phrase again because... He talks about the deathbed, that we'll receive that at our death, but that the chaplet doesn't—we don't have to wait till we're dying to recite it. That if we recite the chaplet that you're going to recite at 3 o'clock, only one time in your whole life, you would receive the grace of his infinite mercy. Wow, like what's going to happen here at 3 o'clock that we're going to recite this chaplet together and receive his infinite mercy? Now I want to turn towards, we're going to still talk about St. Faustina, but I want to reflect particularly on Joseph, St. Joseph, and his appearances to her. So I don't know if you realize this or remember it from reading the chapter, but there were a couple times that St. Joseph appeared to St. Faustina. So as I was writing this talk, or coming up with the idea of this talk, just in the back of my mind, I remembered something about that. I remembered there were a couple times St. Joseph uh, appeared, because we usually don't hear about that, right, in apparitions. A lot of times we only hear about Mary appearing, but St. Faustina had a a few times where St. Joseph appeared with her. So that was what was in the back of my mind writing this talk, and then I spent a couple weeks kind of delving through it and finding out where St. Joseph was. Now I want to start off by saying that when she began her diary, she started it with three letters. You know what those three letters were? Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So some of the older school people probably know that. J-M-J. Right? She began, as most often a lot of people did back in that time, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So notice how all three were present there from the very beginning as she wrote her diary. Then we hear on February 2nd, 1936, in the morning, a bell wakes her up. So think about you. You wake up by your alarm clock in the morning. I was so overcome with drowsiness, which I could not shake off, that I jumped in and took a cold shower. All you Exodus 90 guys, you can relate to this, right? The cold shower in the morning. So she's tired, she's foggy, and she jumps into the cold shower. And after two minutes, the sleepiness left her. And I came to meditation. So she went to meditation. She spent her time in prayer. And a host of absurd thoughts swarmed into my head. That never happens to you, right? She's trying to pray. She's tired. She takes a shower. There's all these absurd thoughts. We don't get graphics of what they were, but they're absurd. So much so that she struggled throughout the entire meditation. She prayed, and the entire meditation she struggled with with these obscure thoughts. Remember what I told you? If you pray and you spend your time in holy hour, and if you're tempted a thousand times, but a thousand and one times you return your attention, the grace is there. You might, you might have your whole holy hour and not experience what you're looking for, but it's fruitful. So for her, she spends the whole time, she struggles the entire meditation. Nothing happens. Jesus doesn't speak to her in the meditation. She still spent the whole time there. But then she says it was the same time during another prayer time when Mass began, A strange silence and a joy filled my heart. Just then, I saw Our Lady with the infant Jesus, and the old man, is what she calls him, Saint Joseph, standing behind them. The Most Holy Mother said to me, take my dearest treasure. And she handed me the infant Jesus. When I took the infant Jesus in my arms, the mother of God, and St. Joseph, disappeared. I was left alone with the infant Jesus. Mary and Joseph always want to give us Jesus. Mary and Joseph will be there to give us Jesus. Some people worry about too much devotion to Mary or St. Joseph, and um, we never have to worry about that because they're always going to give us their son. So then she says, I have accepted this favor of this treatment, but I am fully resigned to the will of God. Let God do with me as I please. So she's having still more struggles, and she finally says, all right, I'm just going to accept that this is going to be my journey. I desire nothing but the fulfillment of the holy will of God, and I'm uniting myself with the mother of God. I'm leaving Nazareth and going to Bethlehem, and I will spend Christmas there with strangers. Yet, with Mary and Joseph, because such is the will of God. I am striving to do the will of God in all things, and I do not desire to return to health more than death. I entrust myself completely to the infinite mercy, and as a little child, I am living in the greatest peace. I am trying only to make my love for him deeper and purer, to be a delight of his divine glance. Then the Lord took me, or the Lord told me, to say this chaplet for nine days before the Feast of Mercy. It is to begin Good Friday, and by this novena, I will grant every grace possible to souls. So some of you may not have known this, but the last uh, nine days, a lot of you have probably been doing the novena to Divine Mercy. And this was something that was proclaimed by our Lord to Jesus after her experience With Mary and Joseph. And so we have that nine day novena. Now I want to talk about St. Joseph and and, and bring uh, a little bit more light onto him. St. Joseph, one of the titles for Joseph is Spouse of the Mother of God. So St. Joseph is the Spouse of the Mother of God. We hear in, this, in the Eucharistic prayer, uh, a number of them, but Eucharistic prayer too, I want to quote, have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, and with all the saints and angels. Glorious St. Joseph, spouse of the Virgin Mary, we beseech you through the heart of Jesus Christ, grant your fatherly protection. So St. Bernardine of Siena mentions this, and she says, O oh, Joseph... Virgin of Jesus, most pure spouse of Mary, pray for us daily to the Son of God that armed with the weapons of His grace we may fight as we ought in life and be crowned by Him in death. The next vision that she has Saint Joseph urged me to have a constant devotion to Him. Isn't that interesting? This consecration of Joseph is nothing new, so St. Joseph is urging her to have a devotion to him, a constant devotion. And he himself told me to recite three prayers, the Our Father, the Hail Mary, the Glory Be, and then the Memorare. So each day to recite three prayers, those three prayers and the Memorare. He looked at me with great kindness and gave me to know how much he is supporting this work of mercy he has promised me the special help and protection notice saint joseph is promising her protection i'll talk about that in a little bit and i recite the requested prayers every day and i feel his special protection so the our father the hail mary and the glory be every day and the, the memorari, which i'm just going to read briefly here remember O most gracious virgin that never was it known that anyone who fled to your protection implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired in this confidence, I fly unto thee, O virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O mother of the word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. So Joseph says, I want you to have this special devotion to me. And as he's asking her for this special devotion, he says, oh, and by the way, I want you to pray the memorari every day. Now, what's the memorari devotion to? Mary. So Joseph is saying, be devoted to me, and I'm going to point you back to my mother, and Mary and myself are going to point you and give you our Lord Jesus. The next quality of St. Joseph I want to talk about is St. Joseph the Dreamer. So here's a vision that she has, and this is just so cool how it ties in with this year she says when i arrived at midnight mass so this is christmas from the very very beginning i steep myself into deep recollection so i want you to notice this she goes to midnight mass and before mass she does something that not all of us probably do she steeps herself into reflection it's so important that we come to mass that we 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 prepare ourselves that we steep ourselves into this recollection and time of reflection as she's doing this she has a vision I saw the stable of Bethlehem filled with great radiance the Blessed Virgin all lost in the deepest of love was wrapping Jesus in swaddling clothes but Saint Joseph was still asleep Isn't that interesting St. Joseph was still asleep. Only after the mother of God put Jesus in the manger did the light of God awaken Joseph, who was also praying. But after a while, when I was left alone with the infant Jesus, who stretched out his little hands to me, and I understood he wanted, to ta- he wanted me to take him into my arms. Can you imagine this happening? Jesus reaching his arms out to you to take him into his arms? Jesus pressed his head against my heart. And gave me to know, by his profound gaze, how good he found it to be next to my heart. So she's got Jesus on her heart, just simply gazing into her eyes. If you've ever held a child in your arms, you know what that's like, especially when they look back at you. How good he found it to be next to my heart. In that moment, Jesus disappeared, and the bell was ringing for Holy Communion. So in that whole time that she came to prepare for Mass, she entered into this beautiful and extraordinary prayer that she experienced. I want to talk about uh, Joseph sleeping. So you notice that we heard that part in the, in the vision, that when she first saw the vision, Mary was awake and tending to Jesus, and Joseph was asleep. In, uh, on January 16th to 25th, 2015, Pope Francis, in his discourse to families in Manila, said, I have a great love for St. Joseph because he's a man of silence and strength. On my table, I have an image of St. Joseph sleeping. And so some of you have told about that statue that I have of St. Joseph sleeping. It's just such a beautiful image. And he says, even when he is asleep, he's taking care of the church. Yes, we know that he can do that. So when I have a problem, a difficulty, I write a little note and I put it underneath St. Joseph so that he can dream about it. In other words, I tell him, pray for this problem. Next, rising with Jesus and Mary, those precious moments of repose, of resting in the Lord's prayer, are moments we might wish to prolong. But like St. Joseph, once we have heard God's voice, we must rise from slumber, we must get up, and we must act. In our families, we have to get up and out. Faith does not remove us from the world, but draws us more deeply into it. Pope Francis continues and he says, Just as the gift of the Holy Family, which church, we're here celebrating this, was entrusted to St. Joseph, so the gift of the family and its grace's plan is entrusted to us, like St. Joseph. The gift of the Holy Family was entrusted to St. Joseph so that he could for it. Each of you, each of us, for I too am part of a family, is charged with carrying out God's plan. The angel the Lord revealed to Joseph the dangers which threatened Jesus and Mary, forcing them to flee to Egypt and then to settle in Nazareth. So too in our time, God calls upon us to recognize the dangers threatening our own families and to protect them. So there's a beautiful thing about St. Joseph that anytime God asked him to do something, he came to him in a dream. He came to him while he was sleeping. So when he told uh, Joseph not to be afraid to take Mary into into his place, it was in a dream. When he told Joseph to take the child to Bethlehem, they went to Bethlehem to, to go to Egypt. All the children are being murdered. Flee to Egypt. He goes to Egypt. Now to come back to Nazareth. He comes back to Nazareth. All of these things happened in a dream, while sleeping. And that's the image, too, that St. Faustina would have of Joseph. There's something about being able to rest um, that, is so, that is so much a gift, I think. Anyone that struggles with anxiety or with unrest or with you know, the inability to relax and just sleep knows how difficult this can be. This takes me into the next quality of St. Joseph, which is probably one of my favorite uh, ones that I've learned. Terror of demons. So St. Joseph, terror of demons. The demons are terrified of him. Now, I'm going to be talking about this not to scare you, but to help us see that we have so much power over the demons in divine mercy and through the intercession of St. Joseph. So it's not meant to scare you. There are going to be some things in here that are scary from her experiences because she did. The closer she got to experiencing divine mercy and the more that she proclaimed divine mercy, guess what happened? The demon began to attack her. So, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Venerable Mary Agrada says this about St. Joseph. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph pursued their way through many towns of Egypt. So imagine them flying... Uh, they're flying from Bethlehem to Egypt, and they're passing through many towns. And this is before Jesus would, would work his uh, um, miracles, before he would lead the, the visible life, so to say. Before he did his exorcisms. So the Son of God is traveling with Mary and Joseph, and they're going through Egypt. And driving out demons, not only from the idols, but from bodies possessed by them. Curing many that were grievously and dangerously ill. So, can you imagine Satan, all of a sudden, this tender baby Jesus is traveling through Egypt? The fear that Satan must have had that here comes Christ in the presence, in the flesh, traveling through the cities that he has been controlling. Every night prayer that we pray as priests and religious and lay people, if you pray any of the divine office, on Tuesday during night prayer it says, stay sober and alert. So before you go to bed it's saying, stay sober and alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour you. Resist him, solid in your faith. And on Sunday we hear, you will not fear the terrors of the night. So I want to go back, you know, just that kind of, like, being able to sleep and rest and not have, like, we know, night terrors or nightmares. And the anaphon that is said is, Protect us, O Lord, as we stay awake. Watch over us as we sleep. That awake we may keep watch with Christ and asleep. Rest in his peace. These are some of the prayers that we say at night. The last prayers that we pray before we go to sleep at night. Okay, so here's some of the demonic with St. Faustina. There's numerous ways that he came to him. Cats, dogs, um, spirits. Uh, This is one way. So Jesus made known to me how very pleasing to him were my prayers of atonement. So he said to me, The prayers of a humble and loving soul disarms the anger of my Father and draws an ocean of blessings. After the adoration halfway to my cell, so again, she's just finished her holy hour, She's leaving adoration, and she's on her way to her cell. So sometimes the graces and difficulties don't happen in our prayer. So after adoration, halfway to my cell, I was surrounded by a pack of huge dogs who were jumping and howling and trying to tear me to pieces. And I realized they were not dogs, but demons. One of them spoke up in rage. Because you have snatched so many souls away from us this night, we will tear you to pieces. And answer I said, If that is the will of the most merciful God, tear me to pieces, for I have justly deserved it, because I am the most miserable of sinners, and God is every holy, God is ever holy, just, and infinitely merciful. As she said these words, the demons answered as one, let us flee, for she is not alone. The Almighty God is with her. Even the demons would fly from her. St. Joseph, terror of the demons. So then she said, I fell asleep as soon as I lay down, but about seven o'clock Satan shook my bed. I awoke instantly and I started to pray peacefully to my guardian angel. Then I saw the souls who were doing penance in purgatory. This is a very important part for us, how we can pray for the souls in purgatory. She says, They appeared like shadows, and among them I saw many demons. One of these tried to vex me, taking the form of a cat, and he kept throwing himself under my bed and on my feet, and he was quite heavy, as if weighing a ton. I kept praying the rosary all the while, and toward dawn, the beings vanished, and I was able to get some sleep. When I entered the chapel in the morning, I heard a voice in my soul. You are united to me. Fear nothing. But know, my child, that Satan hates you. He hates every soul, but he burns with a particular hate for you because you have snatched so many souls from his dominion. You and I have this power in the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Next, she says, Today the Lord came to me and said, My daughter, help me to save my souls. So God is coming here and say, I want you to help me save my souls. You will go to a dying sinner and you will continue to recite this chaplet. So think about this. Dying sinner, somebody is on their bed, they could be a hardened sinner. You go to them, recite their chaplet, and in this way you will attain for him the trust in my mercy. You will obtain for him the trust in my mercy. You hear that? You will attain him, the trust of my mercy. Reminds me of the, the paralyzed man that was taken uh, on the mat with the, his, the four people that took him on the mat and lowered him down. And Jesus says to the man, their faith has saved you. Your faith can save other people even if their faith is hardened. So he says, you will go to a dying sinner, you will continue to recite my chaplet. So here's a very practical thing you can do. Go to anyone that you know that is dying, especially sinners, recite their chaplet. If you can't be there, you know, do it from wherever you are. And in this way you will obtain for him trust in my mercy, for he is already in despair. And she says, Suddenly I found myself in a strange cottage where an elderly man was crying and dying amidst great torments. All about the bed was a multitude of demons and the family who were crying. And when I began to pray, the spirits of darkness fled with hissing and threats directed at me. The soul became calm, filled with trust, and rested in the Lord. So you have a wonderful power, not only to help people uh, to get out of purgatory, but to help people as they're dying. And this brings me to the final Uh, point that I have. Saint Joseph, patron of the dying. So he's known as the patron saint of a happy death. And I want you to think about this in, in in combination with divine mercy. That if we get to pray the divine mercy chaplet upon our death, or we pray it with somebody else as they're dying, or somebody prays it with us as we're dying, we will experience a happy death we will experience this great infusion and layering of God's mercy upon us. So St. Saint, uh, saint Joseph is the patron saint of a happy death. St. Francis de Sales wrote about him in a treatise on love. And he said, For years I have thought of writing on holy love and have done my best. If this book falls short, may God still bless your reading. And he dedicates this entire treatise on love to Mary, the mother of delightful love, and to Joseph, the father of cordial love. So this love of the heart that St. Joseph has for us. This is on the death of Joseph. So Jesus certainly assisted Joseph's death. So we don't know um, when Joseph died. It's presumed by a lot of church scholars, saints, early church fathers, that he probably died sometime between when he was born and, uh, you know, the, then the, the silent years before he began to work his miracles. So, did not Joseph offer gentle kindness at birth? So think about everything that di- Joseph did for Jesus. All the difficult things that he got him through. You know, to, to going with Mary to Bethlehem, to being there, to finding a stable. You know, one of the beautiful things I think... Um, This year for St. Joseph, Pope Francis wrote a letter to St. Joseph. and He talked about different qualities of St. Joseph. And one of my favorite qualities he mentioned is that Joseph has a creative courage. And that means that any situation that Joseph went into, you know, so the angel told him to go to Bethlehem. He went to Bethlehem, but he was given no other guidance. He had to courageously and creatively find a place for Jesus to be born. All the inns are full. What do I do? Be courageous and find a place. Be creative. Next thing you know, he's born in a stable. Same thing when we go to Egypt. He goes to Egypt, doesn't know much more than that other than to go to Egypt. He's got to creatively and courageously find a place. So we hear that that Jesus would have returned this a hundredfold to Joseph. Joseph would have carried Jesus to Egypt and on return to Nazareth. Would not Jesus also carry Joseph into glory at the ascension? Having already performed his duties toward Jesus, Joseph could only say, I have finished the good work that you gave me to do. Such was the death of Joseph, who performed the most loving duties of the Son of God. This is the last prayer, uh, last part of the prayer St. Alphonsus Liguori wrote. He said, By that assistance which Jesus and Mary gave you at death, I beg you to protect me in a special time at the hour of my death, So that dying assisted by you in the company of Jesus and Mary, I may go. Thank you in paradise and in your company. And finally, Jesus' words to St. Faustina for souls who are dying. He said to her, the promises of grace and mercy for the dying. It pleases me to grant everything to souls who ask of my mercy by saying the chaplet. So he will give you everything that you ask when you say the chaplet. When hardened sinners say it, I will fill their souls with peace. So if you can get somebody who is a hardened sinner to pray this chaplet, their soul will be filled with peace. And at the hour of death, will be a happy one. So if they pray this, or if you've prayed this, or if we pray this, at the hour of our death, it will be a happy one. He says, Let us not despair if we experience miseries in life. Let us throw itself into the arms of my mercy, for no soul that called out to my mercy has ever been disappointed or brought to shame. And write that when you say this chaplet, In the presence of the dying, I will stand between my Father and the dying person, not as the just judge, but as the merciful Savior. When you pray this chaplet with somebody who is dying, you are granting them a happy death. So he says, when I, began to say that she, she, when I began to say the chaplet, I saw the man dying in the midst. And then she says, I saw Jesus just as he is depicted in this image. The rays that issued from Jesus' heart enveloped the sick man, and the powers of darkness fled. She says God's mercy sometimes touches the sinner at the last moment in wondrous ways, and mysterious ways. So don't give up on that person that you know that is has a hardened heart. Don't give up on that person that's been away from the church. Don't give up on anyone. To have mercy on the world, and especially on poor sinners who are dying at that last last moment. I often accompany a person who is dying far away. So she says, too, if she can't be there, she accompanies that person who is dying far away. But my greatest joy is when I see the promise of mercy fulfilled in the souls. The Lord is faithful. What he once ordains, he truly fulfills. So I thank you for this uh, time of spending with you on Divine Mercy. Just going to remind you, real briefly, on the, uh, the seven points. So, first is to celebrate the feast on the Sunday after Easter. So, that's this Divine Mercy Sunday. Sincerely repent of our sins. So, if you can repent of any sins sincerely that you have, place our complete trust in Jesus, go to confession, preferably before the feast or during the feast, this is great. Receive Holy Communion on the feast. Venerate the image of mercy. And then finally, be merciful to others through our actions, words, and prayers on their behalf. So may we all enjoy this wonderful feast of divine mercy. And finally, she says at 3 o'clock, implore my mercy. We're going to do that right now at 3 o'clock. Implore my mercy, especially for sinners. And if only for a brief moment, immerse yourself in my passion, particularly for, in, in my abandonment at the moment of agony. This is the hour of great mercy. In this hour, I will refuse nothing to the soul that makes a request of me in virtue of my passion.